Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastors Joel and Patricia Gregory start a brand new series entitled Dating Risky Business. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. All right, so we have a lot of information to cover because we realize it's just not taught in churches anymore. A lot of what you're getting ready to hear, you might say people don't do that. They don't live that way anymore. But how many know God has not changed? And if God has not changed, then we should not change. And so let's go ahead and get right into it. Of course, you can follow along in the Bible app, version. You can follow along in the Linked Up Church app. Uh, however you're following along today, and again, this is such important information. Share the link because people need to hear this level of information. Today, we're going to specifically introduce and lay a foundation. We're going to start talking about biblical dating versus modern dating. And so now, looking, are you looking for a completely countercultural path to marriage? How many single people are in here right now? Just lift your hand if you're single. All right, praise God. Pretty decent amount of people. Single as in unmarried. Let me say that because some people are like, I got a boo, I got a boyfriend, I'm engaged. Until you are married, you are still single. And and you're going to learn that really clearly over the next several weeks. All right, here's how to apply God's word to dating, finding a spouse, and then getting married. So if you're here in person or you're watching online, you're interested in dating or you're dating right now or you're looking to date in the future. Or maybe you just need to teach somebody else in your life the right way to do it. A lot of us have children and grandchildren. So we want to learn it so that we can pay it forward. Dating today is big business. You Google the word matchmaker, you'll receive something in the neighborhood of 21,200,000 hits. Responses. With a few of these outfits claiming to be Christian but most making no such claim. If you put in the word dating, you'll get about 790,000 responses. So as Christians, we're called to be distinct in the ways that we think and we act about all issues that confront us and that are around us. This topic is no exception. So is there such a thing as biblical dating? Raise your hand if you think there's a such thing as biblical dating. Raise your hand. That's interesting. A lot of people didn't raise their hands. If so, then what is it? Can we define it? Do we actually know what it looks like? Have we ever seen it before? How can Christians think differently about the pervasive issue in media and culture today? I want to challenge us. How are we as believers doing so far in this dating game? How are we as believers? We're not talking about the world. How are we doing? Well, the answer to this question is not very well. Surveys consistently indicate that professing Christians behave almost exactly like non-Christians. In terms of sexual involvement outside of marriage and both percentage of people involved and how deeply involved they are, listen very carefully, and how far they're actually going. Christians are living together before marriage. 
Infidelity is at a, a high rate and even divorce after marriage. In fact, depending on which statistics one believes, the divorce rate for professing Christians may actually be higher than for Americans as a whole. Granted, not all of these people are evangelicals, but we're not doing so well either. Indeed, the central issue we need to confront is that when it comes to dating and relationships, perhaps more than any other area of everyday Christian life, the church is largely indistinguishable from the world. Mm. So in other words, the world comes in the church and sees the same thing that it sees in the world. That truth brought immeasurable emotional pain and other consequences to so many Christians. Listen to this. Worse yet, it brought great dishonor to the name of Christ that we sang about today and the witness of the individuals in the church. And it really doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. You know, even during this series, those of you that are married, if you listen and you recount maybe you'll discover some things that you could have done better this is not a series of condemnation right. but it's a series of instruction so that you can even reset and get it right from this point on even in your marriage because I hope you all are dating in your marriage I really do I hope you're dating in your marriage for Christians the Lord has given us his word his Holy Spirit to help us understand what he has to say about even this thing called dating. We have brothers and sisters in Christ to hold us accountable. Sometimes for some people that's a cuss word. I'll keep reading. And to help us apply the word to our lives. If you're a Christian, that's the biblical life which you are called to live. That's right. This is what you're called to live, a life of accountability, responsibility, and witness. Mm -hmm. So let's pursue excellence in dating to a lost and dying world that is watching us. You don't get to choose who's watching you. And you don't get to choose who you're an example to. Mm -hmm. And if you have children, listen, you want to exemplify right. as much of Christ as you possibly can because they are surrounded with plenty of people that's exemplifying the devil. Let me insert this. Who you marry will impact how your life turns out. Whether or not you ever fulfill your destiny or your purpose, right? Listen very carefully to what I'm saying to you right now. It will impact your future, right? You will either bring the best out of each other or you will bring the worst out of each other. If you do it unequally, then the one that's up, the one that's down will bring the other individual down. Yes, yes. Listen very carefully. This <laughs> will uplift you and bless you. The good part about it is wherever you're at, you can hit a reset button. Yep. And Control, alt, delete, and reboot. And, and build. Amen. So let's get started. Number one, modern dating versus biblical dating. Now. We're going to read a series of what modern dating says and what biblical dating says. Modern da dating says we may basically define modern dating as a, as a method of, oh, no, let me just define it first, as a method of introduction and carrying out of a premarital relationship between a single man and a single woman. 
That begins with either man or the woman initiating the other. That is conducted outside the formal oversight of authority of either person's family or church. And that may or may not have marriage as its goal and is often purely recreational or educational. So that's what modern dating is being defined as. Hey, you look good to me, I look good to you, let's connect. I don't know where this is going. It might go somewhere, it might not. But at least we'll have fun. At least we'll have fun while we're doing it, right? Only to end up, in most cases, in sour breakups. And jails are filled with prisoners of domestic violence. This is what biblical dating is. We may define biblical dating as a method of introduction and carrying out of a premarital relationship between a single man and a single woman. That begins maybe with the man approaching and going through the woman's father or family that is conducted under the authority of the woman's father or family or the church. And that's always, and it always has marriage or at least a determination regarding marriage to a specific person as its direct goal. Dating online, I'm gonna say this slowly, Dating should be for the purpose of marriage. Anything outside of that is friendship. And we get duped by romance. We meet somebody. We jump to it so fast. We jump straight to romance. Girl, and then, you know, females. Listen, I was there. Girl, you meet somebody, he fine, he looking good, yeah, he got the hairs on your neck standing up, and you start imagining what your kids will look like. <laughs> you start assessing what kind of qualities make him all that, and y'all ain't even going out on a date yet. All right, so now, let's look at some fundamental differences, okay? So we're just being very practical before we get into the world so you can see what these differences look like. Let's look at some fundamental differences. Modern dating philosophy assumes that there will be several intimate romantic relationships in a person's life before marriage. In fact, it advocates playing the field in order to determine what one wants in a mate. So in other words, the more experiences I have, I'll have a better idea of what I want from my life. Biblical dating has its goal to be emotionally and physically intimate with only one member of the opposite sex, your spouse. Modern dating tends to be egalitarian. No differences between men and women in spiritual or emotional wiring or God-given roles. Biblical dating tends to be complementarian. In other words, God has created men and women differently and has ordained each of these spiritual equals to play different and valuable roles in the family and in the church. Excellent. Modern, modern dating tends to assume that you will spend a great deal of time together and most of that time will be spent alone. Mm, freaky, Bibli- freaky, freaky. Yeah. B- biblical dating tends to encourage time spent in group activities or with other people or couples that, that those two individuals know extremely well. Modern dating tends to assume that you need to get to know a person more deeply than anyone else in the world to figure out whether you should be with him or her. 
The biblical approach suggests that real commitment to the other person should precede such a high-level intimacy. Modern dating tends to assume... Right I just rocked some religion yeah. right there. <laughs> Modern dating tends to assume that a good relationship will meet all of my needs and desires, and a bad one won't. It's essentially a self-centered approach. Biblical dating approaches relationships from a completely different perspective, one of ministry and service and bringing glory to God. Modern dating tends to assume that there will be a high level of emotional involvement in the dating relationship and some level of physical involvement as well. However, biblical dating assumes no physical intimacy and more limited emotional intimacy outside of marriage. Okay. Listen very carefully. Modern dating assumes that what I do and who I date as an adult is entirely up to me and is private. My family or the church has no formal or practical authority. Biblical dating assumes a context of spiritual accountability as it is true in every other area of Christian life. And I just want to insert something right here. A man should not pull up to a female's house and blow the horn for her to come out to the vehicle. How many of y'all know that's something already wrong with that? Right? What he should do is park the car get out of the car, go up to the door, knock on the door, and if she still lives with her parents, introduce himself and make it clear what his intention and his role is in their daughter's life, right? And if there's not, that's not present, then the next thing he should do, if they're Christians, is be accountable to their church leadership. I'm not telling you all anything that I didn't live. When the first time I pulled up at her house, I went in the house and introduced myself. And I assured her father and her mother that I would take care of her, and this is what I said to them, and I'll have her back by, by, 11. by 11 p.m. And I'm a grown man, good grown man. But I'm, I'm, I'm being accountable. Listen very carefully. Next thing I do is I go to my pastors because I don't want them to hear what I'm doing from anybody else but me. Everything is on the front end. Right? And so I tell them, I met this young lady. I, I'm really physically attracted to her. Don't know her that well, but I am interested in exploring a further relationship with her. They said to me, uh, because I'm under authority. Now, a lot of you all going to think this is out of context here, but because I'm under authority, how I many you know God's going to always honor the decisions that I make? So they said to me, I don't think she's the one. Shut that down. You know they didn't pray? No, I'm saying I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look. I am just kidding. I am just kidding. And, and true story, guess what I did? I shut that down, and I committed it to God. And I said, if it's God, then he'll work through all of the proper channels that he set up in his word. Watch this. To either bring that one back or God has something better for me. Let me add this. This, like he said, happened on the front end. This was before I got all emotionally involved and caught up. We were still friends. Yep. I didn't even know that had been going on. Nope. Because we weren't booed up all the time. We weren't spending all this time together. 
There was no obligation for him to call me every day or for me to call him every day. The responsibility of commitment and intimacy had not been established. We were interested and we were attracted, but we had not established responsibility and commitment yet. So therefore, when he did do that, I didn't even know. Because that was my pastor too at the time. I didn't know. Because the relationship just maintained its course of friendship. Watch how it circles back around. She ends up going to Rama Bible College. In Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma. And when we get into the equally yoked part, it's going to help you all a whole lot. And then she happens to sit in a section that he was sitting in watching a basketball game. He ends up having a long conversation with her. I'm over in the hotel room. He calls me on my cell phone and he says, you know that young lady you told me about? Pick that relationship up, right? Pick it up today. Call her today. And I'll just leave it right there. The rest is history. Because the heart was to stay under authority. And not just be out here doing stuff willy-nilly that don't nobody know about. And in the dark, and I don't have to tell nobody what I'm doing. I don't, nobody needs to be in my business. I mean, all of that's out of order biblically. I'm not getting a whole lot of amens in here, but, it, but it's the truth anyway. Modern dating seems to be about finding the right person for me. Test driving as many cars as I can so I'll know the right one to choose. Can we say confusion? Biblical dating is more about being the right person to serve my future spouse's needs and to be a God-glorifying spouse. In modern dating, intimacy precedes commitment. I want to help all these ladies in here understand something. There's no ring on your finger. You are not in a committed relationship. Of course, I'm not going to get a whole lot of amens of that, but, but I'm getting ready to say it again because I feel all of the energy negatively coming back at me right now. So that's why I'm going to say it even stronger this time. In modern dating, intimacy precedes commitment. Listen to me. You are not in a committed relationship if there's no ring on your finger. In biblical dating, commitment precedes intimacy. In modern dating, approach tells us that the way to figure out whether I want to marry someone is to act like we're married in advance. If we really like it, we make it official. If we don't, then we go through something emotionally and probably physically like a divorce. However, biblical dating, Scripture guides us as to how to find a mate and marry. And the Bible teaches, among other things, that we should act in such a way so as not to imply a marriage-level commitment until that commitment exists before the Lord. So biblically, nobody should get some. But, but, Until after we're married. So understand this. Oh, come, on. come on, somebody don't. See, I'm in church. It's quiet in church. And listen, ladies, it comes from our heart to nurture. All of us are at different levels of nurturing within us, but we all have a nurturing existence, right? And so with, if you're not married yet and you're not committed to that path, 
Don't act like wifey. You are not responsible for cooking him dinner. You are not responsible for doing his laundry. You are not responsible for going to his apartment and cleaning up his apartment. You are not responsible for helping him with his homework or his job assignments. Come on, not responsible for picking him up and taking, taking him, him to, to work. work. You are not responsible for helping him get his finances in order. Not you are not responsible for taking on a bill and sharing a, a phone bill because it's only a $10 add-on. Not responsible for helping him look for a job. Come on, I know you all don't want to hear this, but we're getting ready to come right down the line, right where we're living at today. Because how you start a thing only gets bigger and bigger and bigger later on. Yeah. And I promise you, if you're not careful, resentment will set in. But I'll say that on the other side of the spectrum too. It's just women tend to give more in a relationship because I need to establish and let him know that I love him. But men, until you're married, you are not responsible for going head to head with her brother or her family that's giving her issues. You're not responsible for providing her housing if something goes awry in her family. She don't have nowhere else to go though, but that's not your wife. Guess what? You're not responsible for paying her bills. That's called tricking where I come from. Come on and let the church say. Come on and let the church say. Anything that you would do for your friends, be willing to do for a friend. But if you're not letting your boys or your girlfriends borrow your car for three days, nor should he or she. If you're not willing to pay your boys or your girls' bills for six months because they're in a hard place, nor should you do it for him or her. Now let me help these single ladies. It's good stuff right here. If you let him move into your house before the two of you are married, he has no incentive. See, now you're looking at him like, what you going to do? You going to help out with the bills? He, he never had to help out. He with. didn't have to help out. So what you talking about? Come on, keep going, babe. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep, keep, we, yeah, keep going. They're listening. 2 Timothy chapter 3. God's word has to be the final authority. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3 16 and 17 says all, in, uh, this is point number two, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, or in other words, it is God breathed, and it is profitable. The word profitable here in the Greek means advantageous. So all scripture is advantageous. It's, God is actually trying to give you an advantage and not take advantage. So it's all advantageous for doctrine, for reproof, which provides conviction, for correction, which will straighten us up, 
for instruction, which gives us direction in life so that we can live in rightness with God. See, there is a right and a wrong way to do everything. So when we don't slow down enough to get the instruction on the front end, we end up just doing what we want to do and asking God to bless it. Or to fix it. Or fix it. Why? So that the man or woman of God may be complete, which may means complete, mature. May right? be complete. May be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in this context, dating is a good work when you're prepared for it. Okay? And that's our job is to prepare you so that you're just not out here doing what you see on television, on reality TV, and all this other foolishness that we have before our eyes today. Number three, the foundational scriptures upon which we will be ministering. Part A of that is command, the command to be pure, the seriousness of sexual sin, and instructions regarding marriage. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll be starting at verse 9, and this, this is our juice right here. This, we, 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 we eat this. This is the foundation upon which we met and started dating. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, I'll start reading from the New King James. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous those that are not right nor want to be right. Do not be deceived. And this is where he starts. Neither fornicators nor idolaters or adulterers or homosexuals nor sodomites nor thieves or covetous nor drunkards or revilers nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He's specifically talking about eternal life here. Those that practice these things. Those that practice these things. And guess what? He's letting you know right here, no, I don't understand. And yes, I do know you. You know, because a lot of times you say, God knows me and he understands. He knows my heart. He knows my heart. <laughs> he knows that he has taken the keys of sin and death. And he gave it to us by the authority of that great name so that we can walk above the wiles of this world. So yes, he does know you and he knows that you are capable. The reality that he's acknowledging here is sometimes people just don't want to be right. And if that's where you are, listen, I love you and God loves you too. But he, and he wants to bless you. He wants you to have a good life. He wants you to prosper. He sent his son to die so that you can have these things. But when we decide that my sexual organ needs to be satiated and satisfied above what I know about the things of Christ, then he's just saying, you can't inherit eternal life. He goes on to say, and such were you, some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I was as dirty as a rag left in a toilet. We all were. But he said, but 
you were washed. You were cleansed by his blood. But you were sanctified. You were set apart when you received him as your Lord. But you were justified. You were made right. I don't care nothing about your future. For all I care, you could have been a prostitute tricking. I don't care. Once you made me your Lord and Savior, I made you right. And then he says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. It may be permissible, but it doesn't mean that it's good for you. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. It might be popular, but I'm not going to be brought and subjected to its power. Foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, and this is, and then of all places, this is where he lands. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? You are part of something that is holy. Yeah. That is holy. That is righteous. That is going upward and not downward. That is prospering you and not trying to deter you and make you put, uh, in a place, put you in a place of lack. He says, shall I that... Uh, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. This is the only place in the Bible where he says run. It's stand, and it's fight the good fight of faith. But here he says, flee, <laughs> run. <laughs> I love this quote I heard uh, someone say, it's easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist temptation. Chocolate cake. If it's in the house, it's harder for me to resist it. But as long as I keep it out the house, I'm all right. Yes. Chips, Lord Jesus. Chips, 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 chips. <laughs> or do you not know that he is, okay, but verse 17, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. See, in reality, it's the lowest form of a low self-esteem. It is the lowest form of insecurity, lowest self-esteem. It is the lowest form of self-hatred. People get all concerned with cutting and things like that that people do. And, and, and it is bad. But the lowest form of self-hatred, insecurity, low self-esteem, is sexual immorality. You're just letting somebody lay with you that doesn't care nothing about you. That in the end of the day is just using you and then walks away from you, 
right, to do that all over again. And because the thinking hasn't changed, I think the next person that comes into my life is going to be different. But the game is always the same. How many times do you have to be tricked by it to wake up? Especially, now mind you, this is being written to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not writing this to people that don't believe. It's the church at Corinth. It is blasphemous, hypocritical, judgmental for one to say that I am a Christian, but it's okay to have access to my body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have for God? He says, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, G5, I saw Mama Jack wearing her G5G jersey. <laughs> Glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are God's. Mind you, and I want to clarify something because a lot of people insert mind. No. Your mind, God gave you free will. He gave you free will, the freedom to choose. And his desire that you, is that you will always choose him. He says, I've set before you life and death. Choose life so that you and your seed may live. Mm -hmm. So your mind is your own, the spirit of man. Mm -hmm. But he says, but I own your body. Mm -hmm. And I own that Holy Spirit that I gave you. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the least you could do is aim to glorify me. That's what true worship and thanksgiving is. It's not nice songs. Mm -hmm. True worship and praise is to glorify him in our body, which is his and our spirit. Okay. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's go over to chapter 7. It's a continuation of that same thought. He says here, now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And the word touch here means to ignite the sexual passion. Right? So what you have to understand is you have to have boundaries in dating. And those boundaries should be set up by the man. See, not one male, not one male, amen. Man. Leading, okay. leading. We're talking about leadership. So, so you notice what he says, it's good for a man not to touch a woman, which means, again, to ignite the sexual passion. How many know it's always there? And it doesn't take much to light the fire. Which means boundaries should always be set. But right. that does not exempt you, ladies. Because if I'm just being transparent, there are many a women that I know that set those boundaries. And he lined up. And that was his introduction to great and mighty things of God. They didn't start out holy, but they got holy. They got right. And are doing great things. Plenty of people are doing great things for God. So what I said to her, because I knew if I tongue-kissed her, I wasn't coming back from that. <laughs> See, come on, y'all don't leave me out here like that. So I, I said to her, right, if we're going to be friends, we can't do this. So she can make a decision whether or not this is a relationship she wants to be in, because we're not going to do that. Well, you knew I couldn't resist you. 
I couldn't resist you. So you were willing to stay in that relationship? Well, you see 25 years later. So do me a favor. Don't insert. It's five minutes on that clock. Can I just finish this? After he done inserted. (laughs) We don't know how to take that, right? (laughs) You nasty. All right, so, so, so now... So now listen very carefully. So it's it's important that the man understands this, right? Because here's the reality. Typically, if he tries to take it somewhere, because of her nurturing nature, she will probably let it go where he takes it. Right? So I told her we won't date in the home. No tongue kissing. Right? And the goal here is to make it to the wedding day without sleeping together. Now watch this. Your job is to help me do that. My job is to not put you in a position where I ignite that in you. Right? I said to her, and if I violate this, then I want you to go tell the pastor because I am a hypocrite and I should not be up telling other people how to live their lives. And I'm unwilling to live it myself. Is that a true statement, right? That's a true statement. So, so we slept together for the first time on our wedding night. Now, now, it didn't last long. It was only like 10 seconds. I was in there and done. I'm telling you, I'm just going to keep it real. I was too excited. I was like, Yee-haw! it was over. It was over before it started, if you want to know the truth. As soon as I saw her, it was like, Anyway. So, 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 so somebody say it's good for a man, good for a man. Not, to not to ignite the sexual passion, sexual passion. Within, a woman within a woman or himself. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, which it tells you that's what leads to sexual immorality. So if there are no boundaries on the front end, we're going to end up in some immoral situations. Let each one have his own wife and each woman have her own husband. Listen, husbands and wives. Let the husband render to the wife the affection that's due her. And likewise, also the wife to the husband. So in other words, never use sex as a weapon. Oh, somebody in the service now. Somebody in the service now. Oh, Lord Jesus. I hope his wife not sitting next to him right now. I hope she watching online and not, not in the room. All right? So, so it cannot be used as a weapon. Right? And it is also not a reward for good behavior. <laughs> so both of them should render the affection that's due to each other within the marriage relationship. Hey, let's keep reading here. The wife does not have authority over her own body, which means he should be able to get it whenever he wants it. See, now the men say, yeah, yeah. I know, Husband, now you're hearing all these but the, guys. But the wives, the wives, like, he ain't getting nothing whenever he wants it. Boy, I'll tell you, church is different today. Those were two great places for both to say amen. 
So the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And lo- oh, man, we're waking the brothers up right now. <laughs> and likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Then he says, do not deprive one another except with consent. So the only time we need to be inactive is when we're both in agreement here. That's what consent means, mutual agreement. Then it says, only for a time that the two of you agreed on, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. So notice, if you're just fasting, you need to still be having sex in the marriage. If you're just praying, you still need to be. But if you're doing both fasting and praying, then y'all can kind of... If you all agree. If you agree on that. You can fast and pray and do it. You you might be more spiritual in those moments, sensitive to the things of God. Listen, Jesus not mad. Jesus is not mad about it. Because he said the marriage bed is holy and undefiled. He just might meet you there. I might get more creative fasting and praying. (laughs) than I was prior a to A greater manifestation. Going. Yes, sir. Yes. Won't he do it? Hallelujah. Oh, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Ah, I know he's all right. Yes. Ah, I, I, I know he's all right. Yes. <laughs> Come on, we, we're going to stop right here. <laughs> do not deprive one another except with consent for a time. So that you can give yourselves to prayer and fasting. And watch this. Then come right back together again. So that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, husband and wives, listen very carefully here. You, you, everybody thinks they're exempt. But no one in here is exempt. If you all want to play with each other like that and go months and years and all that stuff, you're opening the door up for temptation on both sides. And don't ever think somebody won't get caught. So don't do that to each other. See, the Bible tells you we all have opportunities to to manifest a lack of self-control. Raise your hand if you know that about yourself. I know that about myself. I said, raise your hand if you know that about yourself. I said, raise your hand if you, risers, raise your hand if you know that about yourself. I can see you up there. Don't just sit there. I can see you. (laughs) Online, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Just put the raise hand emoji in there somewhere. (laughs) Right? But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. And we're just going to close right here. For I wish that all men were even as myself. Paul was single. But each one has his own gift from God, one of this manner to get married and another of that to be single. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them to remain even as I am single. Watch this now. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. But I want to clarify something here. You may solve the burning with passion issue, which lasts about 15 to 20 minutes. 30, then you got 23 hours left in a day. It will not solve the biggest part of your life. 
which is paying bills, building a life together. Come on, somebody. Having a career. Communication. Conflict resolution. Conflict resolution. Leisure time and enjoyment. Recreation. All those vacations. Vacations. Raising kids. What kind of school, schools are we going to send the kids to? So, so remember, it's still very immature if my purpose for getting married was to relieve myself. That is still extremely selfish because it is actually, if you're married in here, the smallest portion of the marriage. Come on, married couples, don't leave me out here like that. Well, those guys not saying amen now. It is not, it is not the biggest piece of the pie. It's actually probably the smallest piece. Oh, and what makes important. it taste so good is that the rest of the pie is taken care of. That's right. You don't take care of the rest of the pie. That little piece, they can go from sexy and the finest thing I've ever seen to I can't stand you, get out of my face. Come on, somebody. I don't ever want to look at you again. So even though the Bible gives you permission that doesn't mean it is the best case scenario. All right, we're just introducing this today. You all get anything out of this? We're just getting started, just getting warmed up. Let's all stand to our feet. We'll pick it up right here now. We're scheduled to be in this for about eight weeks. But we might not make it 12 weeks. We don't know how long it'll go. What we're committed to do it's taking our time because we understand the church has lost its way in this area. Church is just doing what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it. I'm not talking about here at Linked Up Church, but I can remember being a, a body of Christ. I can remember being a part of several other churches. And I would see a guy come in with a different female almost annually. He with somebody else. See a female come in with a different guy almost annually. And you can just tell they don't get it. How many of y'all say, I'm ready to wake up? All right. Before we leave today, if you're in a relationship, right, and the two of you are involved and there's no commitment, I'm challenging you by the Spirit of God today to make a decision. I'm really challenging the male in that relationship to be the leader that God called you to be. It's here in this place or even people that are online. If you're watching online, I'm really challenging you today to respond to God's call, his word. He'll grace you to do it. I'm not telling you to be easy. I went eight years. I'm not telling you that's easy. What I am telling you is worth it. Extremely worth it. Now I get to live out a 25-year marriage this year where I've never violated this marriage covenant. Okay. Without the foundation of that commitment on the front end, how I many of y'all know we don't make it to 25 years on the back end? Because typically whoever you are before marriage is who you're going to be in the marriage. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, 
and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we wanna invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I wanna to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, watch past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 833-988-2009. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.